0: VN.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Nice to see some more green on the screen today as we saw in the grain complex. And and the wheat is one. We're definitely going to be diving into what's going on. Unfortunately, when you flip the page and we look at the livestock, a big drop taking place there all the way across Mm -hmm. the board with both the cattle and the hogs. We're going to dive into what has been the, the streaming factor for these markets on a Monday today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing and You gotta start out here talking, Sam. This wheat market just continues to be a hot contract.
0: Yeah, and, and, and one that isn't trading a ton of volume. And I think that's, you know, something that's been a theme here over the last several months. you have taken some of those participants out and when we do have a need for a move, uh, justified or not, uh, you know, it's just easier to push that around. And we've continued to see quite a lot of erosion in that market. You know, we traded, uh, you know, well over $2 off the high after seeing the Indian, you know, wheat band headline. And I think that sucked some more longs into the market. And ever since then, we just, kind of ran out of fodder for that daily move uh and, and so we've slowly bled the market out keep in mind too we're getting ready to start harvest here in the u.s already starting in parts of texas and the, uh, far south and will work its way north here uh and when you look at the fact that we have not really stimulated any wheat demand here in the u.s uh the big question is what's going to be stimulated from here forward based on what happens in ukraine but in the meantime we still have to pay someone to carry it forward here and, I, and we continue to see those spreads widen out i uh, would expect that to continue to happen as we you know uh, walk towards delivery here at the end of the month. And in the meantime, we'll just see uh, what headlines offer from day to day here in Ukraine.
1: You know, and, and my understanding from some of the wheat producers I talked to in southern uh, Kansas, you know, they went all spring with hardly any moisture. Uh, they've gotten definitely a lot of moisture in the last week or so. So that's put a delay in the harvest. But, I mean, obviously it's too late to help this crop out. But they're anxious to see what these yield numbers are considering the the craziness they had with this year's growing season.
0: Yeah, well, and it's always nice to know exactly what you've got, especially when you've got high prices and, uh, and you hit the nail on the head. I mean, in Western Plains, it's just going to be maybe too little, too late for a lot of that wheat crop. Uh, it does lend the idea of, of abandonment and maybe being planted as something else, especially if you, you know, kind of invigorate moisture in that area. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we, we put more focus on central and eastern, uh, you know, wheat plains and, uh, and the crops there look like they're going to be pretty good. So I, I think you're going to have a lot of localized uh, situations here with basis uh, as we head towards harvest because of the differences in each region uh and this is going to be something that we talk about like i said well into next year you know based on how much demand we actually end up finding from the situation in ukraine which you know largely we'll, we should be able to figure out here over the next you know, two to six months uh that's going to help dictate how many acres of wheat we may need to find next year uh if any at all and it seems like this point you know, a lot of the discussions are just being had between Russia and, and Turkey. And, you know, they're wanting to get a lot of those the inventories out and sold to Turkey so that Turkey can potentially put them on the world market. And I do think some of that could take place. I mean, we saw India continue to buy Russian oil despite all these sanctions and, and, and push against Russia. When you get these countries that, uh, you know, really need the food, uh, you know, they'll be willing to do just about anything. So I, I think it's definitely something to watch. I think it boasts that we will probably see some, you know, of those inventories moved out of the region. But the lion's share is what we're all debating at this point.
1: So how much influence are these early numbers going to be as we see that harvest start to creep north?
0: Um, a, not a lot. Like I said, I, I think it's going to be impact more local basis and, and potentially some of the spreads as we move forward here. But ultimately, you know, the size of our crop, only matters if the world needs it. And and so you could have a 40 bushel yield, 35 bushel yield, 50, you know, 50-plus, whatever, put the number on it, but we don't even know if the world needs it yet. And so I think that's probably the bigger nut to crack here, long-term, big picture in the background. In the meantime, I think it's more of just a kind of a cash marketplace as you go to uh, towards harvest and where you're at in some of these uh, different situations where they haven't had rain and where they have.
1: You talked a little bit about what's going on with Ukraine, Sam, and obviously some... Port attacks is not what we needed to hear in these markets, especially when we thought maybe there was a glimpse of hope we might see some grains exported out of Ukraine.
0: That's right, and and that's you know the big question mark. And then time is the essence here. You know, we mentioned harvest starting here in the U.S. It's starting uh, in in the northern northern hemisphere in general, including Ukraine, and that's going to stretch from oh probably the bulk of it from mid June all the way to about the first of August. And so as that starts to take place, if they don't have anywhere to go with it, you risk spoiling. Uh, not much concern on some of the stuff that's in inventories as long as it doesn't get bombed. But once again, very fluid situation. Things are going to be changing here uh, quite a lot over the next thirty days, in my opinion. I think one thing that the market was able to put some optimism. And what we continue to see last week, you know, pressure of the market was the the efforts to demine these areas. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent. If we can get sanctions lifted or not, at least there's an effort to do that first. So that if things can get pulled through, uh, you know, presumably they, they would be, you know, at the ready.
1: So, so what uh, with the we talked harvest. Uh, what's going on with the harvest in South America as they wrap up? I have not seen a lot of concrete numbers coming out of the countries.
0: You know, we, we've seen kind of a, a broad mix in, in Argentina. I think there's going to be, you know, waning optimism in this crop in Brazil. I don't think it's going to be a complete disaster. Um, but the dryness that they've seen into the tail end of that production season, I think is going to curtail the early expectations that you could have in Brazilian uh, you know, second crop corn there of up to 33 million metric tons. I don't think that's going to be the case now. Uh And I think you're going to continue to see that brought down now. But that being said, uh, our, our production season is going to be more important here moving forward because of our area, uh, what we've got written down for, for yields and the tight nature of our uh, carryouts with demand still pretty good. Uh, and going into next year, like I said, it's going to filter back into acres. So for the time being, it seems like we've seen a bit of a seasonal correction. We, we escaped the worst case scenario in terms of acreage and area this year. And now the biggest number I think that we're going to see is uh, acreage at the end of the month. We do have a crop report here this Friday, but it's just hard to see how that, that data set could offer us anything that we don't really already know. We know domestic uh, processors, uh, both on soybean and corn side, are going to be pretty strong here moving forward. If they have any troubles here into July, August, it's simply going to be sourcing those inventories in general. Um, But they've got profitability and the exporters are chasing it too. So at this point, it's going to become more of a yield game uh, and a world supply and demand uh, geopolitical game
1: all right well stick around folks we do have a lot more coming around the corner as we get ready to head into the second half of the monday version of the Fontenelle final bell sam hudson is joining us today he's with corn belt marketing we come back we'll talk about some export numbers we had the weekly numbers come out not really a lot of surprises we also will have this afternoon's crop progress report and there too we probably aren't going to see a lot of excitement as we look at the livestock side and the issues that continue to happen for them kind of a lower tone happening throughout the entire livestock complex more is coming up it's the fontanelle Final bell on the rural radio network.
0: Consistent performance is one of the key strengths of Fontenelle hybrids. Here's Fontenelle dealer Norm Bruger from Albion talking about that aspect.
1: You know the weather in Nebraska. We got late plant. We've got drought. And we've got insect pressure. Fontenelle seems to be steady. We're always kind of rolls right through all of those weather conditions and uh, anything Mother Nature throws. It it seems to uh, withstand the conditions that we plant in very very well.
0: For more, go to Fontenelle.com. Always follow grain marketing, stewardship practices, and pesticide.
1: In our conversation this afternoon with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. Well, weekly export numbers came in. I mean, we saw some solid numbers for the corn. Overall, what's your thoughts on what those numbers had to say in all the grains?
0: You know, steady as she goes, 56.5 million bushels for corn. We're still a little bit behind the pace, about 4% behind uh, and still about 3% ahead actually on the soybeans. So still shipped almost 13 million bushels of soybeans. And keep in mind, we continue to look backwards on these numbers too as we see some adjustments made along the way in prior numbers. And so I think this continue to boast that we should see a pretty good basis. These exporters are going to look for, gonna continue to look for soybeans, especially with the uh, you know, production problems that we saw in South America. And I really think when you look at this data, it suggests that uh, there's a higher odds of us, you know, quote-unquote running out of soybeans than even corn, especially when you look at how many weeks left in the marketing year there are uh, and how much more damage we can do to that bean carry on such a short amount of time as a percent of the overall production. So I think that's the thing to look for. I think we have, you know, are starting to see the front end of some rationing in the corn market, but we don't really know how much needs to be done there. I think the, the yield is really going to dictate that. And, and like I said, the uh, month of June is just really hard to have a lot of conviction on the crop. I think as you get into July, we're going to see a lot more uh, on what could happen there.
1: We do have a crop progress report that comes out this afternoon. Do you see any surprises in what those numbers will have to say? I
0: you know, the trade looking for 70% plus good to excellent. I would have to agree with that. When you look at conditions that we've seen across, the, generally across the central corn belt, Illinois, Iowa, uh, even in Nebraska, obviously everything was pretty well late getting started, but over the last three weeks we've seen a lot of catching up, uh, and, and some pretty decent weather with some sporadic rainfall. I realize there's been some areas in, in there that have probably been flooded out and some areas that haven't had any, and that's just kind of your normal run of the mill here for a weather market that we're going to be going into. Um, but like I said, with the cool, generally cooler than, uh, you know, cooler than normal weather and this periodic rainfall. I think things are in great shape. Uh, We are going to need to continue to see regular rainfall, though, as we get into the hotter period of the season. I think, uh, as you look two weeks to three weeks out towards the end of the month. It looks like we could have some hotter temperatures coming and hopefully we get some relief before then.
1: Do you foresee any Mm -hmm. any pressure from this upcoming USDA report? I mean, June's reports usually weighs a little bit heavier.
0: Yeah, I I don't really. I think uh, it's going to be more about what crop development looks like, uh, you know, throughout the next two to three or four weeks and while we continue to see things shaped in ukraine like i said i just don't think there's enough room for them to make a big enough move that we see any waves this time around i think if if not for nothing it's just going to be the fact that we've got this one put behind us um and and can kind of move on and start uh, setting our sights on those acreage numbers at the end of the year and the stocks figures as well
1: all right let's end of the month Excuse me, no problem (laughs) let's switch gears and go to this livestock side where it was not a pretty monday for them overall
0: it wasn't, we've had, you know, pretty decent run over the last couple of weeks, So You know, you look at that live cattle market, it's been basing really since the beginning of May. Uh, if we can continue to hold that market over 132, I would still have some some optimism as we go into delivery of that contract. When you look at the August, you know, I, I would think that we can maybe still trade 136.5. But in all of these front month contracts, you kind of have to shift back to the cash market and see... Uh, just kind of a lackadaisical, uh, you know, look to it. There's not a lot of enthusiasm. We've got the numbers. And, you know, when you look at prices of stuff out here, not just for beef, uh, obviously historically lofty levels there, but when you look at the price of gasoline and, and just, uh, you know, the thought process on, on what this is going to do economic-wise, economically here, uh, between now and the end of the summer, it does put a little bit of fear out there. But I think we can trade a range here from, uh, you know, the upper 120s to mid-130s throughout the summer months. And, and we'll see what uh, can happen as we get out into October december
1: have we seen a back down a little bit when it comes to the cow heifer slaughters at this point uh
0: potentially you know keep in mind you got to keep an eye on the weights too um you know again we've been you know really bringing a lot forward to meet this demand but we've got the numbers uh you know i don't know that our grilling season is going to be able to really you know provide a a big run-up if anything it may just help keep a floor in place where we don't have to see any major price moves. I think the interesting thing to see this uh, this week coming into the week, though, is a lot more enthusiasm here on the feeder side. We've seen a bit of a break or at least a leveling off in this corn market of late. Uh, we've seen some of these deferred live cattle contracts uh, stage a pretty good recovery here over the last 10 days, and I think that's bringing out uh, some optimism from those cattle buyers. So We'll see if the cash market and feeders can help uh, push the bull spreads along, but a lot of that's still going to have to do with uh, you know feed values in general here moving forward.
1: So can the hogs get excited with South Korea opening their duty-free quota on imported pork?
0: Well, it's possible. When you look at, you know, lean hog index and, 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 cash and just really all the talk that's been going on over the last two or three months. Uh, a lot of bullish optimism. Futures obviously have just recently, uh, you know, kind of reflected that the break today. We'd like to see that August contract hold around 105. If not, I think we could, you know, have a trip down uh, to retest the lows. Uh, July equivalent of that is, is 105 to 104 just the same. So as long as the lean hog index continues to rise, it's going to be hard to really break this market down. Um, and if you can get this, uh, July contract trading back, you know, through one twelve or one thirteen, people will be talking and start talking one twenty again before the end of summer.
1: All right, Sam, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
0: or www.cornbeltmarketing.com.
1: All right. Sam Hudson's been joining us again with Corn Belt Marketing. Want to remind folks, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It's being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all their local dealers. Check this out as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and as well at ruralradionetwork.com. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.